Hi, Helen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, everybody, Helen has been on the show before. Um, she stepped into uh, Stuart Blackwell's shoes at St. Hallett in Barossa, and she's now just stepped out of those shoes, and she's stepping up even more uh, to the Director of Global and ANZ of Premium Winemaking at Accolade. So, Helen, firstly, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Oh, look, Helen and I join this on a weekly basis now. We have our little catch-ups, talk about Shiraz, talk about Riesling, which is one of her favourites, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> the reason I did actually want to get Helen on specifically is because we've touched on that it is National Shiraz Day on the 28th of July. And, well, Helen has been very busy making some of the best Shiraz in Australia and therefore the world. And so I felt that she was uh, fairly well equipped to come on and chat about it. So, Helen, first of all, why don't you, uh, why don't you start off telling us what you love about Shiraz? Oh, the thing I love about Shiraz is that you get such diversity. So we're, we're very blessed in Australia to have such a diversity of regions. So, you know, um, Tom was talking about Grampians and I had, as part of my career, I've done a, a stint in Grampians at Seppels and the Shiraz from Grampian region and from the Pyrenees area is just so different to what we're making in the Barossa. And it, I think that's the best thing about Shiraz is that one, it's so diverse, but two, you're always guaranteed a level of sort of um, consistency with Shiraz across Australia. It doesn't matter whether you're buying, a, you know, a, a Banrock Station organic wine from the Riverland or you're buying something from, from the Barossa or you're buying something from the Grampians. You've always got that consistency and the wines are generally always quite well balanced. Um, so, yeah, it's probably one of the most consistent varietals for us. Mm. So, I mean, so you mentioned that, you know, so the consistency, that's consistency amongst the actual regions themselves, the actual different types of Barossa, uh, sorry, types of Shiraz are, do differ so greatly. So how does that affect your job and, you know, what sort of challenges are there based on the fact that you're about to take over this large portfolio of, of you know, Shiraz from different regions around Australia and, well, I guess the New, New Zealand, they're not doing Shiraz, yep. but um, you get my point. Yep. Uh, look, I think for me, the biggest challenge is remembering that you can't pigeonhole Shiraz from another region into mm. a style that, you know, I'm probably more comfortable making, um, sure. having made um, Shiraz in Clare and, and Barossa for majority of my career. I have to be very mindful that if I've got a, a Grampians or a um, – or a WA, a Margaret River Shiraz, they're not going to look the same. And so you have mm. to approach it. And that's the same for any variety, right? Riesling's the same. Eden mm -hmm. and Claire, you can't make them in the same way. And you have to be aware that you've got to enhance what the vineyard's giving you. And I think if with any any wine region, and that includes in the Barossa for us, each vineyard is going to give us something different. And we need to try and not just make it all taste the same. Mm. Yep, totally. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah. uh, just on Riesling, Riesling is what really got you into winemaking, wasn't it? That's it was. A bit of, it a bit was. Of a, it's like yeah. the Helen flagship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, uh, we, I was living in England. My parents, uh, we, I was born in England and my dad was drinking Mosul Riesling. So the little sneaks out of the glass when he wasn't looking was always <laughs> Riesling. So, uh, But having said that, I don't come from a wine family and I wouldn't say he's what I would call a connoisseur, but yeah, that's sort <laughs> of, that was my introduction to wine was German Riesling. So yeah, it's, it does have a bit of a special place in my heart. 
So if we were just to touch on some of the specific brands that you're working with, so let's say St. Hallett, Rolf Binder, uh, Grant Burge, they're, they're all Barossa. Um, tell us a bit about uh, the differences just between those brands and the Shiraz. Okay, that's probably a great place to start because everyone thinks that the Barossa is all the same mm. um, and it's definitely not. So Barossa is split into Barossa Valley and Eden Valley, but even within those regions, the north and south of those two um, sub-regions are very different. So Grant Burge, for example, is from the southern part of the Barossa Valley for the majority of the fruit, and the wines are very polished. Um, they're very intense. Um, they've got beautiful texture. Um, and then you compare it to uh, Rolf Binder, which is basically the vineyards directly around the winery, so in the Stonewell and um, and Tanunda area. And they're very, very intense. And those are very old vines. Um, and you get uh, much more structural wines, a little bit more rustic. And then you get St. Hallett, which is sort of central um, Barossa and northern Barossa. And those wines are the St. Hallett style is much more rustic. Um, the tannins are much more rustic, a little bit less polished. I won't say that's a bad <laughs> thing. Um, but, um, you know, they they are very, very different. So, and then you, if you look across the whole of the Barossa, there's multiple producers doing lots of exciting things. So I think people have a perception that all Barossa reds are big and heavy, and that's absolutely not the case. Mm. Um you know, that understanding your vineyard, the aspects, the clones, um, even down to the types of trellis can really affect the what you get at the end. Yeah. Um, mm. But that's that's our job, that to protect that character we get in the vineyard. I think that's our key job. And what, what would you say you're looking forward to most with this new role? Um, are there is there something, you know, a particular area or something that's kind of, you know, just tickles your fancy a little bit more? I wouldn't say a little bit more, but I am excited to get um, a little bit more acquainted with the WA, particularly Franklin mm. Shiraz. Mm. Um, like I, we get to taste them and, and they're always amazing. Mm. And they keep getting these absolutely fantastic vintages like i i can't you know wa winemakers haven't had to work very hard for the last 10 years so <laughs> i'm not sure what nick bowen <laughs> yeah, yeah nick bowen might argue with me on that but um you know they just seem to be each year just seems to be building on the past that you know on the previous year yeah. so it is pretty excited you know i'm pretty excited to be able to get to know that a little bit more than i probably have being so sort of south australian centric Will, yep. you, will you work with any Rieslings down there, Franklin River? Uh, uh, we will, yeah. We yeah. do. We have a, a, a little bit of Franklin and Prongerups Riesling, so I'm a, a quite excited to play down there as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so we've got Nick um, at the end of the show today and, mm. and we're talking, you know, Great Southern uh, Rieslings, oh, Mount beautiful. Barker and stuff. So, um, yep. yeah, it's the, stunning down there. It's it just It just keeps getting more and more press, I reckon. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's never going to get quite to where Eden Valley and Clare Valley are, no. but, you know, <laughs> be, you know, sitting in Eden Valley right now, I better say that, otherwise I'll get yeah. get run out of town. But, no, look, some of the wines down um, in that area are, and Mount Barker, around Mount Barker, some of those vineyards are just magpie. Mag, it's not magpie state, is it? I'm trying to think what the um, 
I can see the one or the the owner's face, and they are just <laughs> stunning wines. And for the life of me, I can't think what it's called, which is terrible. Right, um, <laughs> yeah, but they you know, and it's the same with Henty as well. You know, you get beautiful it, the diversity. I guess for Australia, we have such such diverse vineyards that mm. doesn't really matter where you're always going to get good, good quality. But mm. um, you know, even on Shiraz, I mean Tasmanian Shiraz ten years ago, who would have thought that? you know, we'd be buying Tasmanian Shiraz that's mm. so different to the mainland, but so still has that backbone of Shiraz, but just so much spice and pepper and, and bright fruit. You know, it's 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 sort of exciting. The industry's in an exciting place it, it at the moment. It is exciting. And you mentioned Henty. You know, this is just like a kind of like a random little area that yeah. has some elevation and all of a sudden it's producing this amazing stuff. So someone had the foresight to go and plant some exactly. vines. Exactly. It's cool. Exactly. And, and you know, we're uh, sort of my generation and the generation that's younger than me, we, we owe a lot to the people who, who went out on a, on a limb, really, to plant these, these mm. viticultural areas. I mean, even Eden Valley, you know, um, that was planted on a, not on a whim. There was a lot of, you know, geological um, um, sort of, exploration and, up there yeah. and mm. um but you know to plant chardonnay in eden valley in the in the late 60s and 70s mm. it's it's it was probably quite was, marginal like as in uh, oh, absolutely it still is yeah it, and that's why they do so well because mm. the vines have to fight mm. and so they get fabulous they develop fabulous flavors and they have to be balanced and i can i think in some of the areas the viticultural areas that are a bit easier for things to to um, growing, they you tend to, you know, the vines get a bit lazy, mm-hmm. and they, you know, the the fruit quality is not always as good as it could be. In some of these tougher areas, you the vines have to work. So, yeah, it's. Um, I think we do owe a lot to our to our previous forebears. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. And it is like the profile of Shiraz, it has been, well, not just Shiraz, I guess I guess all wines really, just the way, because of trends, just the way that we drink is, it's different. And, you know, emerging generations and the new, the new drinking generations, it is different and you have to adapt to that. And I think that Australia... We are very fortunate that we are quite quite diverse from a terroir perspective. So, you know, from New South Wales, even just, you know, a, a Mudgy Shiraz, of which I had a very beautiful one the other day, um, you know, a Mudgy Shiraz compared to a Hunter Shiraz, you know, they're, they're still very different. Um, go, go to the Grampians that do amazing Shiraz, also still that peppery style that the Hunter uh, definitely has, but they're still so different. And then, of course, the Barossa and the Eden Valley. So it's... Um, but I guess where I was going with that is the way that people are changing the way that they do drink Shiraz. And, you know, I know St. Hallett obviously last year brought out the Shiraz Nouveau, mm-hmm. and which you which you claimed that that was actually your baby, wasn't it? And yeah. you serve it, say, you serve it at 12 to 14 degrees with a sprig of lavender and some orange. And it's actually that great uh, summer's day Christmas sort of drink. And you before, no one would have thought Shiraz would be part of that unless it was a sparkling Shiraz. That's so, right. And then, of course, it changes what we pair our food with as it's, you know. So at once upon a time it was, well, it's the big ribeye steak, you know, on the bone uh, with, with a Shiraz, which is still personally one of my favourites. <laughs> but you know we're now catering towards vegans and vegetarians who obviously they love wine just as much as you know the carnivores in us so can you t- can you talk us through some other really great uh maybe food pairings that that are against the grain 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my favourites is a mushroom ragu. Um, so, you know, some really lovely, and at the moment we've got some fabulous mushrooms in South Australia because the pine mushrooms are out. So everyone's oh, out right. collecting pine mushrooms. But, you know, um, Do you mushroom. Have lots of deaths around this time of year then? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If you actually, there was a couple last year which wasn't right. too great. But, um, <laughs> yeah, they were they were tourists and they went out and picked some mushrooms. Oh. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah my. my for a reason, those ones. <laughs> yeah, I tend to only ever go out with chefs. Yeah. So Very they know nice what they're color. looking for. <laughs> or in the central market, there's a place called the Mushroom Man, and the, yeah. you know that they're safe if you buy them and, from him. And, so. you know, the chefs say, I only go out with a winemaker. Because uh, she's got a bottle of wine and, right. and I'll help. That's right. That's what I was actually matched in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And no uh, one does. Yeah. No, exactly. But, you know, just mm. something simple like that, some mushrooms, some thyme, you know, slow cooked down um, with some polenta is a great way to enjoy any wine really, but particularly goes well with Shiraz. Um, probably the most out there food match that I've ever had with Shiraz was actually a, a seared tuna steak. Um, uh, yeah. And it was a look, you know, and this is where the chefs are way more adventurous than I am when I'm food pairing. Um, and they, yeah, they paired an Eden Valley, really spicy, um, tight, higher acidity Eden Valley Shiraz with, with a seared tuna steak. And it was delicious. But mm. eggplant goes really well with Shiraz as well. So um, baked eggplant's always a favourite if I've got I've wow. got a couple of vegetarian friends if they come over I've got a couple that I use on rotation because they all seem to like it so <laughs> it does seem though that these are like the plant-based ones are they're still quite the meaty sort of they are aren't they yeah. the mushrooms yeah, the eggplants they're yeah. they are quite meaty so yeah. really you, you do need that you, you do you need yeah. that texture and you need that strength of flavor as well because Shiraz mm. has got a lot of flavor and it's got and in generally has a lot of tannin even a medium body Shiraz still has a lot of tannin so you do need something to balance that up yeah um, sure but, I mean, for Shiraz Nouveau, where it is, you know, it's the, the white wine version of Shiraz, it's got no oak, so you do back that tannin off. So you can have that with – I've had that with salad, but then I also had it as a cocktail. So I had it for crushed ice with, you know, wow. dried cool. dried orange, bit of lavender. It was beautiful. Yeah, Simon, this is a, this is quite a different. I don't know if you've heard of the Shiraz Nouveau before. Oh, I you literally only launched it last year, didn't you? Because I mean, yeah. we guys yep. late last launched year. it. Yeah. And so I was a, one of the very first people to ever taste it, which I thought was very exciting. And Helen's like, Jill, you're not, you're not drinking this as a Shiraz. I'm like, okay. And she's like, pop it in the fridge and do this and this. And I'm like, never mm. thought about adding lavender to my Shiraz, <laughs> but I like it. This is interesting. But I just like the way, you know, the, you know, the way that you now are thinking and changing things up. I think it's mm. very cool. Uh, um, could we just get it like a so go you go Simon? Oh, I was just going to say we've we've had a question. So we're we're speaking with Helen McCarthy from um, Accolade Wines. Um, so, but Christopher is one of our regular contributors, and um, so he wants to know about the the is it Matt's Choss? Is that how you Matchos? Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. So Matchos uh, single vineyard Shiraz. Um, he he said you know it's got an it's got amazing power and. And he said, you know, how do you work with the grower who provides that fruit? So, the, unfortunately, we um, have lost that grower oh. <laughs> about about 18 months ago. But it's in Eden. So, the vineyard's in sort of the northern Eden Valley. It's just outside of Angerston. It's quite high. So, if you know the Barossa Menglers Hill, it's on the side of Menglers Hill. Yeah. Um, and it is 
old vine. Um, the vineyard itself is is quite an interesting vineyard to walk through because it, everything has to be handpicked. Um, so the way we work with our growers, and we do have a lot of lot of um, um, long-term growers, but what's happening in the Barossa, there's a generation change happening at the moment where a lot of the growers are selling up. Um, and unfortunately, um, another winery, which it was two hands, I'll be perfectly honest, bought the right. bought the um, vineyard. And obviously, when a winery buys a vineyard, you've got almost no hope of ever mm. getting that fruit back. Um, but we work quite closely with our growers. Um, our viticultural team, we've got uh, two viticulturalists and a, a viticultural officer. And um, Gabrielle, in particular, who's the viticultural officer, spends a lot of time out in the field with the growers talking about trellising, talking about irrigation, talking about um, how they can get the most from their vineyards because it's not just about getting necessarily the best quality, it's about making sure that that vineyard returns for the grower so that in yeah. the future they don't, they're not put in a position where they have to sell that block. Um, so that's becoming extremely important, particularly in the brothel where the grower base is ageing um it's very good relatively point. quickly so yeah working with the growers but the machos um it's it, we we are going to miss that block because it it did provide some um extremely intense fruit um but the good news is that we have replaced that fruit source with other eden valley growers so we think we're in a good place um yeah the machos was a very beautiful wine it yeah. is yeah <laughs> Well, there you go, Christopher. So there's your answer, direct from uh, someone who knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, just given we we have Shiraz Day um, on the 28th, have you had to think about what you might open on Shiraz Day? Ooh, now. Um, I, I have actually, and I opened oh actually I opened a really nice Shiraz the other day um which was a um Eileen Hardy Shiraz because I've oh. got to get to know the the I oh. know it's it's oh, poor me it's so I've got to get to know <laughs> these wines so it was a 98 Eileen wow. Hardy Shiraz wow. that was delicious but actually what I will be opening is a 1994 show reserve Seppel's sparkling Shiraz oh hey you don't get yeah. much better. Don't really no, and, miss with that one, no. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I worked at um, at Seppel's Great Western for a little while as well, so I understand the um, drives and how fantastic they are. Um, yeah. And that whole area, I mean, the the fruit that comes from that area, they're very lucky, mm. and it's very different to everywhere else in Australia. So, yeah. Um, just actually talk, hearing Tom talk before, I'm like, oh, I know what I'll open. I'll open that. <laughs> that I, that's just been sitting there in my wine fridge. It's under. It's got a crown seal on. It's been disgorged, oh. but it's just got a crown seal from when I worked there. So I'm very oh, lucky to have that. That's a so whoever you're inviting around, you're they very, very fortunate people yes. for your Shiraz day. You know, I, I guess I don't really think I drink a lot of sparkling Shiraz in the winter but i don't really know why that's it's that should be the case i drink i drink other champagne during the winter so um that's right yeah there we yeah. go i'm actually thinking about pulling out a 2016 old block 
Oh, nice. Yes, I've got a few of those in the cellar and I've yeah. got a few magnums as well. So um, I think that's probably what I'm going to be doing. But I am going to be boring and I am going to have my ribeye on the bone. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's just that. There's no veggie. You can do a few mushies on the side, surely. Of course I can. Yeah. I might do a mushroom sauce. There, there we go. go. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Well, look, Helen, thank you so much for joining us. And it's always fun to just have a – I love doing a focus on a varietal. It's quite fun to get, you know, a, a great winemaker's perspective and what they eat with it. And it's just, you know, to learn a bit about it. And, of course, Australia is home to the oldest, well, pr- productive Shiraz vines in the world. And I think that's very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, look, I look forward to chatting with you very, very soon. And um, I love our I love our interviews and our catch-up. So, good luck because uh, I know you're only a few weeks into the job. So, um Keep enjoying. We'll be in touch. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Helen.